I mean, I, I'm the one that said fauna. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm an idiot. <laughs> and then it was funny, I was Googling it. I was like, oh my god. The premise for our whole show is <laughs> it's, off. It's wrong. <laughs> well, welcome to episode one. Prehistoric flora. Flora. Which is the plant version of, of, fauna. of nature in the past. Oh, gosh. I, I have, I think, maybe four talking points today. So, we have a lot to talk cool. about. Cool. I've got one, and okay. it's not at all related to the topic, but... I it, also have a question that I'm so excited if, for. If the moment comes out, I'll, I'll slam down my fun plant fact. Okay. What's the question? I can't... Does it come later? Yeah. Okay. It's going right. to come when you least expect it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> no. I don't know. I don't even know where we came up with this topic. I was reading a book about dinosaurs, oh, and yeah. we were talking about starting a podcast about plants. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about ginkgo tattoos. Oh, yeah. Which are an example of prehistoric flora. Yeah. No, I think this is, like, my way of getting you to get a plant tattoo. Is <laughs> to, like, relate it to dinosaurs. I've never been opposed to a plant tattoo. I think you have. Let's just say that first. No, no. I wanted you... Okay, I was in my class, and we were studying botany, and they were pra- passing around a branch of an umbrella pine. And they, I can't remember why we were looking at it. I think we were talking about the way the leaves are attached to the stem. And they said, oh, this is a prehistoric plant. And I was like, oh, my God, Brady needs to get this tattooed with his dinosaur tattoo. <laughs> yeah. What kind of uh, pine was it? Umbrella. Umbrella pine. Yeah. And if you pull up a photo of it, you can see why it's called that. The leaves attach to the stem in a way that looks like an umbrella, like the metal parts of an umbrella. Okay, yeah, that yeah. looks way better than the photos I'm looking yeah, at. Yeah, those are, those are like modern plants. See, that kind of looks like a palm tree. Yeah. Which is funny because you definitely said pine, and in my mind I thought palm. Oh, no. And I don't know why. Maybe the whole ginkgo prehistoric yeah. tropic thing. Yeah, so plant number one, umbrella pine. It's an evergreen that grows 15 to 27 meters tall. 15, okay, so... <laughs> Can you convert I'm that? I'm trying to convert it for the American people. I know. This is where I come in and just let everyone know that 15 meters? Yeah. So I'm that's 45 American. feet yeah. starting? That's so tall. That's a tall tree. That's the shit you don't want to put. Oh, are we going to cuss? Yeah, we can cuss. Okay, that's the shit you don't <laughs> want to plant close to your house. <laughs> yeah, but think of it and, and is it, uh, can it survive year-round? Yeah, it's so evergreen, like, yeah. Picture it. Is that what evergreen means? Yeah. Oh, year yes. round? Evergreen <laughs> means that they don't lo- the trees don't lose their leaves. Okay. Deciduous means that they do lose their leaves. And how I remember that when I first started working at the nursery was they decide to lose their leaves. So it's deciduous. I, see, I wouldn't remember it like that. I would just remember evergreen it's as... forever green. Forever being green. Yeah. And then... Oh, that's way better. I would just say the opposite of evergreen without needing yeah. a word for it. So I think the umbrella pine has origins from Japan. Japan. Well, the point I was about to make, or the thing I was going to say is, if you picture a 45-foot-tall pine tree Mm -hmm. in the winter, covered in snow, maybe put a little lights on it, you wouldn't plant it close to your house, but that would be a pretty (coughs) dope-ass Christmas tree. Yeah, I kind of want it in, like, when I actually have a yard to plant in, I would want one. I want 50-foot ceilings in my future house, so I can have the most majestic Christmas tree. We really got to get this podcast out there. Just start (laughs) touring soon. Brady has goals. (laughs) Okay, my only... Okay, I have one last fact about the umbrella pine. It takes two years for their pine cones to form. Isn't that so long? 
two years yeah. for the pine cones to form. I don't work on anything for two years. <laughs> I don't think I ever have. I know. Either. So like, to me, a pine cone would form in a season, but two years—that's a lot of work, and it's really slow. Is is the pine cone just decoration for the tree? No, pine cones purpose? are uh, the seeds like that. So when they fall on the ground, idea. they grow into new trees? They could. Or they could grow into yeah, new trees? exactly. So they, they need to be protected. I know, right? Okay. So my next talking point. Well, hang on. Okay, no, okay. Roll it back. Well, you said something about Japan, and then I glossed over it because I was still thinking about Christmas. Oh, no, it's because I think I'm pretty sure the origin is Japan. Like they indigenous to Japan. Yeah, and then they were brought to England. And then it's kind of the timeline's kind of iffy. I wasn't able to find other information on it like that. Oh, okay. And yeah. then have they found their way here? Oh, yeah. You can yeah. buy them in a nursery. Oh, okay. Yeah. So then I could have my yeah. 50-foot house with majestic Christmas tree. Yeah. All right. It'd have to be outside, but yeah. You don't want to cut it down. You're right. I wouldn't want to cut it down. It would be an outdoor community Christmas tree. Oh my god, I love it. That's 100% <laughs> something my mom would do. Well, that's something you would do. As long as I've known you, you've talked about running a community garden. I know. And like, what better centerpiece than a 50-foot Christmas tree? Oh my god. With presents underneath. I should have looked at what its growth rate is, because you know sometimes trees like that grow like an inch per year. Well, if it's two years for pine cones... Oh, God. Yeah, it has to be slow. So, the pine cones form before the tree reaches full maturity. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. I would assume. Yeah. Okay, so two years for pine cones. I'm not going to pretend to know exponentially what that would I'm go I'm going to pretend a little bit. You're, okay, what, what would your estimate be for full growth? Somewhere between a few inches between a foot. A year? Mm, yeah. A few inches to a foot per year. I once owned this little tiny pine tree that had pink pine cones, and that's why I bought it. And I looked it up, and it grew like an inch a year. So a foot <laughs> a year for a 50-foot tree. That's 50 years. That's insane. I was saying majestic just because it's like a, a big-ass yeah. tall tree. But like it's actually a seasoned veteran of the forest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why it's around. And it's so cute. It literally looks like a tree of mini umbrellas. I want one. Let's okay. I'm gonna bring you one. Fifty foot house. It's a goal for the future. <laughs> like I said, big goals here. <laughs> big goals here. <laughs> okay. Now my next thing I want to bring up. I don't know how to pronounce correctly. All right. Can you say that country? Hungary. Is it pronounced Hungary or yeah, Hungary? It's, it's Hungary. I don't know. Can you pronounce that one? No, but mostly because I can't read your writing. Oh, shit. <laughs> Bukabani? Bukabani? Yeah. Bukabrani? Is that an R? Buka, yeah, Bukabrani is a village in Hungary. And they have a mummified forest. Mummified forest. Yeah. And in that forest, they found a stump, a cypress stump, which is like a, like an evergreen tree or whatever, that had been, um, it was a mummified trunk. So it was cased in sand, so basically it was covered in sand for so many years. Mm-hmm. That was brought on by a sandstorm, storm, and um, it was 8 million years old. When they found it. Yeah, the trunk. And it was one of those things that wasn't preserved, it wasn't fossilized. So it kind of gives, like, they're able to study it different than a fossilized piece of material. So basically, like, throw yourself in a bucket of sand. 
and sit for millions of years. Yeah. I'd prefer not to. I'm trying to picture what a mummified tree would look like. It looks like like a rotted stump. Or like, well, it sounds like something you'd see around Halloween. Yeah. With just like, you know, the cotton string shit. Like the fake spider webs. Except way cooler. Way cooler because it's millions of years old. And not brought on by Party City. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so... So how how is it preserved if not fossilized? All I know, all I read about was that... It had, there's this huge sandstorm and it had been like just completely coated and covered in sand and that somehow preserved, preserved it from the time. Like instead of it just rotting away, it like stayed. When you say covered in sand, is it just like a layer of sand built up around it or like buried? I think buried, And then over time the wind would slowly blow the sand Mm -hmm. away and they'd dig it out and build a city. Yeah. And discover this mummified forest. Yeah, and I don't remember... I should have looked up the um, like the terms they used, but they were able to... Since it wasn't fossilized, they were able to look at the environmental conditions of when it was alive. And so that's kind of like the environmental changes they were able to understand during that time period. So I'm looking at a photo right now, and it yeah. kind of looks like a sick older version of the Whomping Willow from Harry Potter. <laughs> That's not the stump. Like, well... There's the oh, stump. Oh, there's the stump. Yeah. Okay, yeah. The the grown version, or I guess the alive version... That's the cousin. ...looks like the Whomping Willow's yeah. great-grandfather. It's a type of cypress. Definitely seen some years on him. Yeah. So, like, I just thought that was so interesting because the way we dig up dinosaurs and how we learn about them... Is so different than what happened to this tree trunk and how we're able to study it. Which brings me to my question. Your question, okay. If I'm you excited. were a dinosaur, what kind of dinosaur would you be? What uh, what kind of dinosaur would I be or yeah. what kind of dinosaur would I want to be? <laughs> okay, I want or both. both answers now. Both? Yeah. Okay. Um I'd probably want to be a T Rex. Okay. Just because it's the tiny biggest, arms? cool. I don't who cares about tiny arms. <laughs> it's the biggest, coolest yeah. dinosaur. It ran, as I learned in my book, it it basically owned the continent of North America. Definitely. It was unchallenged for its entire lifetime as a species. Yeah. Um, but if I were a dinosaur, it would probably be something stupid and little. <laughs> okay, you want to hear my answer? Like, what's a. Uh, I think it's a stegosaurus, mm-hmm. but I'm trying to remember the name of the stegosaurus from the land before time. Oh, okay. Because gotcha. I can't remember yeah. her name. I don't know. I can't reference Did it. you ever watch the land before time? No, but I know what you're talking about. <sighs> now I'm disappointed. I know. We should probably break <laughs> up, right? <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I'm not that upset about it. It's just a show. Movie. Movies. They're movies. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I chose mine. Can you guess what it is? Oh, you chose... Okay, which one you yeah. would be? Okay, but after I want to hear which one you would want to be. You probably no, chose... this is the one I want to be. Oh, the one you want to be? Yeah. I feel like it wouldn't be a plant eater. Oh, I didn't even go from that angle. Oh, really? Okay. Um, I'm just going to say pterodactyl. Yes! Oh. Did you see it written on No, I didn't. <laughs> okay, first of I all... Didn't, but- for all, for all my cool. uneducated dino people, pterodactyl starts with the letter P, not T. 
Learned that today. You learned that today? Yeah. Oh, no. So silent P coming in there. Pterodactyl. Yeah. No, so I was just, like, pictured myself, like, flying everywhere and, like, terrorizing everyone. <laughs> I mean, all the other dinosaurs. But you know what I thought that I would realistically be? I don't know what kind of dinosaur it is, but I think it's, like, in the opening credits of Jurassic Park, the little dino is running on the beach. Do you remember that? Or there's, like, just, like, little sand runners. They're extremely scary. <laughs> Were they, like, really tiny? Yeah. And But they ran really fast? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what those are called either. But that's what I But I can picture them. Be. That's what you would be? They, as a kid, that movie terrified me. Not gonna lie. Jurassic Park? <laughs> like, if the opportunity came to bring back dinosaurs, my answer is no. <laughs> I'd be a strong supporter of it. I know you would. Because dinosaurs are cool. <laughs> But, like, the idea of, like, these dinosaurs running around terrifies me. Well, they'd be on an island. Okay, yeah, because that works, right? It it would work better in real life than, than in, the, in movie. the plot holes that arose from the movies. Yeah. But, like, a T-Rex isn't going to be able to swim away from an island. We don't know that. Okay, you're right. We don't know that. We could make a pretty educated guess yeah. that the T-Rex is going to be landlocked to this island. Like, you're but, just sitting in your, your apartment here, your high-rise, and you see um, a dino walking by. You would be into that? I would be so into that. That would be so scary to me. That would be so cool. But it, think about it this way. If, if we had... A Jurassic Park style island yeah. where we had dinosaurs, mm-hmm. we would need prehistoric flora. Okay, I'm in. See? I'm back. See, in. you're definitely this in. Has come full Everyone circle. is on the side of dinosaurs. Okay. Okay, so the next one that I want to talk about is carnivorous plants. And I don't have a specific one because I just really wanted to talk about them. Well, I think when we were planning the podcast or talking about starting it, I mentioned. A carnivorous plant yeah. that I wanted to ask about. Oh. But I can't remember what it was. Okay. So let's just jump into it and see if it comes back to me. Well, the reason why I chose to talk about carnivorous plants is because there was I was like researching this and there was a Baltic amber that contained a fossil of carnivorous plants so that we knew that they had them back then but it makes sense i mean you look at them and you're like yeah that shit was around before we were yeah they don't look very modern yeah when you see a carnivorous and it's funny because we sell carnivorous plants at the nursery that i work at so we have them and then the one that was found in the little piece of amber is it's called like a a fly paper, mm-hmm. which really looks like a sundew, which the only problem about doing a podcast about plants is that I can't reference a picture for you guys. We, we could throw up some pictures. In the show notes? In the show Are notes. Are we that fancy? We could be. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like a long arm, a long skinny green arm, and on the ends of the arms are little red like fibers mm-hmm. that catch like dews like water dew yeah but then also the bugs land on them and then they curl up and eat it so i'm guessing then that the dew which is what attracts the bugs i have no idea but to the plant and yeah. then the bugs land to drink the water yeah and then they get curled up on but mm-hmm. yeah and then they get consumed by the plant yeah and then the plant grows another arm another arm oh my god yeah so they multiply yeah so like I know this Venus flytraps. All you kids out there, do not touch the heads. So I think a Venus flytrap was the one I was asking about yeah. in the past. Mm-hmm. I think so. Well, they existed back then too. 
the other thing I know about carnivorous plants is that some of them are so big that they can catch small rodents. Are there any big enough to eat a human? Uh, maybe a stupid human. (laughs) (laughs) They're not going to, like, come out and snatch you. Well, what about, like, deep in the Amazon rainforest? Small rodents. Like, I'm talking, like, a a rat that can fit in both your hands. That just, like, they're attracted to the juice. It's like a tube. I would consider that a large rodent. Okay. Yeah, I guess so. Like a small rodent would be like a maybe a palm-sized little mouse, like smaller than that. Anything bigger, and you're into yeah terrifying so the territory. There's um some of these they're called pitcher plants, and they fill with like a liquid, and mm-hmm. then the rodent is attracted to it, and then they fall into it, and they get consumed. It's just like so they just so the plant doesn't like jump out and no, eat the rodent as yeah. it's running by. Like the plant has to depend on the rodent. Yeah, it has a biological feature to attract them, but it's not, like, super fast movement. Like, you ever see the head of a Venusfly trap clothes? It's not super fast. So it doesn't just snap down, like like a crocodile, I no, guess, is what I was like thinking. No, not like a crocodile. Of. Okay, well, that's good. Because I have a fear of crocodiles, too. I think everybody does. <laughs> oh, gosh, okay. Crocodiles don't give a shit. I know. They had crocodiles in prehistoric They times. did. Did they? Yes. Uh, they were much larger. But they were essentially the same as they are now. Like, crocodile is one of the few species that survived the extinction of the dinosaurs. Along with a bunch of small birds we have now in the world. They deserve it. But, yeah, they're largely unchanged other than their size. That's crazy. I don't want them to be any bigger. They can also bite down with... Yeah. Incredible force. I can't remember the exact numbers, but if a human bites down with, like, one unit of force a crocodile is like 15 times more powerful in its bite that's crazy yeah have you ever seen one in like nature besides the one that we saw not in nature but the ones we saw saw in mexico were scary i can't remember if they were crocodiles or alligators oh yeah i don't know we were told the difference yeah but i don't remember remember. our guide was so nice (laughs) but the the one moment when we walked through the pen Mm -hmm. and he opened the gate and then quickly closed the gate because it wasn't safe. Which is obvious because it's an active mm-hmm. crocodile pen. Yeah. Um, but he went and he picked one of them up by his tail and yeah. shoot it off to the side. <laughs> and then came back and said, very specifically, walk in a single file line yeah. through this path slowly and do not deviate. And you and I were at the very front. I know. And he didn't lead us in. He just opened the gate and waited for everyone to walk in. So we were walking through at the front by ourselves. Yeah. And after maybe 10 steps, the giant crocodile came back out onto the path. And we stopped and slowly started walking backwards, bumping into the crowd, Mm -hmm. trying to get this man's attention. And eventually he realized what was happening and ran in front of us and herded the, the thing to safety. Yeah, yeah, thankfully. I know. Because that was probably one of the scariest moments of my life. Oh, I was there for it. <laughs> yeah, you weren't much help. He stood behind me. I know. I just, while you were recalling that, I was just thinking about how I was like, I think I was like hugging you. Yeah, you I. were. <laughs> I was like, they'll take you out first. I mean, I'd sacrifice myself to save you. You're so sweet. I'd prefer not to, but I would. <laughs> The only other experience I have with crocodiles or alligators, I can't remember, So when we were in Florida, 
with my dad and my sister and my dad took us to like his job and on his way to his job there's like kind of like a canal mm-hmm. and they kind of come out there and they sunbathe and my sister hopped out the car to take a photo and when she got out the car the gator went from across the canal into the water and up the other side to where we were she oh, sprinted back in the car <laughs> i mean my dad were just laughing so hard because they're also pretty quick on land right yeah like they can scurry quite yeah. fast mm-hmm. but you've also spent a lot of time in florida so i'm surprised that's your only oh we've encounter. went and saw them a lot that's yeah. just the funniest one. like in nature yeah we'd go and find them and like why would you go and find them because it's fun to look at when you're in the truck you can just observe then and then my dad will like speed away if it gets too scary this sounds like an american safari i know <laughs> <laughs> except for we're in like the deep south of in the interior of Florida, and it's like Hickville. Yeah, American Safari. <laughs> right. <laughs> see, we're talking about going to Florida. Yeah. I don't want to go see crocodiles. What? I, I'm very happy to not do that. Okay, well, I'm taking you to the tropical, tropical gardens then. That sounds way better than crocodiles. Okay, we got it. Okay, the last plant I have to talk about is my favorite tree in the world your favorite tree in the world can you name it it's prehistoric yeah oh of course i can name it it's the ginkgo yes we've talked about it so much i know i own earrings that are in the shape of ginkgo leaves i'm gonna get a ginkgo tattoo and bailey if you're listening to this we need to get this tattoo i'm sick of waiting see you've been talking about a ginkgo tattoo as long as i've known you i know and you've not made any effort to Get any closer to having one. This is a podcast about plants, not about my inability to (laughs) do what I want to do. (laughs) Okay. So what makes the ginkgo your favorite? It's just so pretty. Like, if you look at the leaf, it's like a fan, just like right out. And then it has like veins almost that are like indented and they're beautiful. And there's a lot of good history behind it. So if you could picture... A fairly stereotypical scene from like a movie about ancient Greece, for example. Mm-hmm. You always have the guy laying in the bed being fed grapes and yeah. being fanned uh, by plant leaves. Are those ginkgo leaves? No. Like, typically? Those, are, those look like palm leaves to me. Well, kind of, yes. But ginkgo leaves. But I'm not are an expert like, on the differences. Not, are like the size of your palm. Those. Are they all, like, that small? Yeah. Okay, so they're not big enough to no. actually fan someone. They just look like they could be a fan. Yeah, if they, okay. if they were that size, that okay. would work just fine. Yeah. But the thing is, is the ginkgos that we grow today are not the same ones that they find, find in fossils from the prehistoric times, unfortunately. Are they similar? They're similar. Are, are they similar? Same family. Same family. Okay, so it's not just they look similar. Yeah. Exactly. They're they're rooted in similar DNA. Yeah. So like I was looking up all the different types of ginkgos and everyone I clicked on was like extinct, <laughs> extinct, and they all. I like... shouldn't laugh. I mean that's sad. <laughs> obviously. But we're gonna talk about why the ginkgo is so resilient, anyways. But there's the ginkgo. I'm just gonna spell it because I can't pronounce it. It's H U T T O N I I, and that was Huttony. Huttony. That's prehistoric England. Prehistoric England? Yeah. I, like, that, like, blew my mind, because I'm like, what the heck would prehistoric England even look like? Like, I just think old England, and that's how it started, but that's not how it started. Well, I think prehistoric anything would be 
the same. Yeah. Right? Like, just, just nature. Flora. Yeah, just flora. Flora and fauna everywhere. Flora, fauna, Brady and Cat. A, a world living in harmony with yeah. itself. But some of the re- the, one of the reasons that we have ginkgos still is that monks used to preserve the seeds. And that's why we have them, which is, like, amazing to me. Because seed preservation is kind of an intense practice. Mm-hmm. You have to do it right. And it's so specific to each species of plant that, like, I'm amazed that we still have them. So do they only preserve one kind of ginkgo? No. I don't... Um, like, do we have multiple ginkgos? We do have multiple ginkgos. Okay. And that could be from growers and breeders adjusting Like that. cross-pollinating? Yeah. Or it could be that they preserve multiple ones. I don't know. But I actually learned that fact from the book you got me for Christmas. Oh, I'm glad. I know. That was a good book. Good job, I, I didn't read it myself, but... Yeah. I, I spent a, a good amount of time picking out the perfect plant book for you. Yeah. And for um, some of the, fo- the ginkgo fossils, they date back as far as 270 million years. That's a long time That is ago. a long time. Yeah, it's like hard to wrap your mind around that. Yeah, we think of, or we talk about prehistoric things in terms of millions of years. But like... But it's always like smallish numbers. Like 65 million years ago is when the dinosaurs died out. And when you say 65... Wow. ...term years ago, yeah. it doesn't sound that much until yeah. you try to think about how long a single million years is. How long a thousand years is. I can barely make it through one. Like, humans have been around for maybe 15,000 years. I could be entirely wrong on that. <laughs> but it's, it's somewhere in the tens of thousands of years. It's yeah. definitely less than 100,000 years. Mm-hmm. And 10 of those 100,000 years is a million years. Jesus. So 65 of those is 650 mm-hmm. iterations of the human species. This, this plant? Just until the day the dinosaurs died. Not to mention the however tens or hundreds of millions of years the dinosaurs were around. Do the dinosaurs all die on one day? Not on one day. Okay. But in, on one... Event. Event, yeah. Okay. There was one event that wiped out a large majority mm-hmm. of the population, and then it was fallout from that event that slowly killed oh, off the rest. I wish we had a live stream of it. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I love dinosaurs. I don't want to watch them die. But it was things like uh, enough of them dying that there was no food left for the meat eaters. Oh, okay. Enough of the plants dying that there's no food left for the plant eaters. Wow. And then uh, the cloud of ash cooling the earth to a point where life couldn't survive because it was just too cold. That's crazy. Which is what led to the Ice Age. And then it was, it was a species that were adapted to colder and drier climates that managed to survive. And then the ones that lived deep enough in the ocean that weren't affected by stuff closer to the surface is where life we have now essentially started. Oh, you just, my mind's blown. And that means like, like ginkgos, man, the one of the most resistant trees on this planet. And they still didn't make it. They must have. But they're all extinct. Like, how do they all go extinct? They must not have all gone extinct. Like, do humans farm them to death? No. Or did maybe one species survive? I think... And monks... I think that's it. Notice how rare... Yeah. Or maybe how majestic it it looked as a plant, and they decided it needed to be saved? Yeah. 
that has to be some some type of timeline like that because if we have a fossil from that far back 270 million years ago it has something i don't know well a fossil doesn't mean like it was alive past that yeah right like the fossil mm-hmm. is I, i'm pretty sure fossils form in the day something yeah or in the time period shortly after something dies yeah. um, which is how uh the skeletons are preserved which uh is also apparently exceedingly rare like it it takes a lot of luck for something to fossilize really in the ground and then survive that long yeah so uh in the dinosaur book the author talks about the relatively low number of fossils humans have discovered somewhere in some range of thousands yeah um but for hundreds of millions of years of life, there's got to be billions of individual creatures mm-hmm. that are just lost. So if we have yeah. thousands from billions, like think of how much more was on this planet that yeah. we just have no idea about. There's animal life and plant life that we don't know That we just about. don't know, and we oh, never will. Like there's no way life. for us to ever find and out about it. And also makes me sad, because like, if there's a plant, I want to know about it. <laughs> if there's a dinosaur, I want to know about it. Right. Oh, my last fact about ginkgos, and this is about their resilience, is one of the only things, the ginkgo trees were one of the only things to survive the bombings of Hiroshima. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Yeah. Because you mentioned resilience, and I remember hearing, it might have been from you, about a single, I think it was a single tree that survived the blast. I don't know if it was a single tree, but if you look at those photos from that event, like there's hardly anything standing. Right. I haven't I haven't yeah. seen the photos, but I picture in my head just a wasteland with a single tree yeah. in the center. <laughs> and some arches left behind. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so there's yeah. also some arches that survived. Yeah, there's some things like that. So the ginkgo was the one plant that survived it. Survived that. Yeah. That shit is resilient. That kind of extinction level event. Yeah. Like people still live there and plants survive, but it it was a massive amount of damage. A horrible thing. One so, of the grossest things America's ever done. We, we don't need to, to get <laughs> into not the, that type of the gross things that America has done. <laughs> I'll, I'll have very strong opinions about that as a non-American. <laughs> I'm sure my opinions match. As an American? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, where is that tree now? Is it still standing? I'm no, I didn't look that Has up. it been moved? No, but... Did I- the monks... Did take ownership preserve to preserve it? <laughs> yeah, like, when did these monks come into play? But that's something we should look up. I really want to grow a green ginkgo tree soon, and I really want my ginkgo tat. Can they grow in the Pacific Northwest? Yes. Like I'm sure. Obviously, yeah. there's plants that can and can't grow in certain places. Correct. Yeah. So there's like in our zone, we can grow them. We sell them at the nursery. Mm-hmm. So for sure. So we could have a ginkgo forest. <sighs> Dreams. A ginkgo forest around our 50 foot pine tree. Oh my goodness! Our goals have been set. Like imagine that as a centerpiece for your. We'd have to. You're like people. seating area. Right. In your in your yard. It would be my dream. Where are we gonna eat dinner tonight? At the table? No, we're gonna sit around the giant 50 foot palm tree. Right. Yeah. Our prized possession. We'll plate our food on ginkgo leaves. Oh my god, I'm in. I'm into it. <laughs> I don't think you would be into that. That seems kind of disrespectful to the ginkgos. No, it's environmentally no, friendly. We're here to to pass on the good words of plants. And what is the good word of plants? 
Grow more of them. I don't Grow know. more of them. <laughs> They're going to save us. Plants are going to save us. I just know it. There you go, people. Grow more plants. The plants will save us. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I'm done. That's all I know about prehistoric plants. I think there's more that you know. Probably. But, but we'll have to do a prehistoric flora part two. Episode two. Episode two. If we make it to 20 episodes, we will do an episode two of prehistoric. Episode two of prehistoric. I'm going to be really impressed if we do five episodes. That's a good plan, because that means we can't, like, run out of ideas on episode three and be like, let's just do the prehistoric one again, because right. we can't think of anything yeah. else. We're, we're, we'll, we'll do. There's so many things to talk about. I'm ready. Well, you're a plant lover. <laughs> I know, and you're my tech guy. Got it. Is that all I am? Is the tech guy? You're my IT <laughs> heart. <laughs> I like to think of myself as a, a charming, ruggedly handsome co-host. You are of a podcast about things I don't know a whole lot about. Yeah, there we go. This is going to be your educational session. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping for. I need to know more about plants as someone who hasn't really so do I devoted enough time. I know, but this is going to be my incentive. But to this is your your area topics. of. Interests yeah. and area of study and it's like my ideally an area of career. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully. Well, I believe in you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think we're done. How should we sign it off? I don't know. The more you grow. The more you grow. <laughs> Thanks we, for we need listening. a little jingle. I know. I'm gonna have someone write us a song or something. We'll get there. Yeah. I think we're okay for this one. Episode one of Tremendous Prehistoric Plants.